Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome to Living with Reality, a podcast featuring archived teachings and modern conversations with Dr. Robert Svoboda. Brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Living with Reality explores Ayurveda and other wisdom traditions of India, which Dr. Svoboda has been studying for nearly 50 years. For more information, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dr. Svoboda. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello and welcome to Living with Reality. I'm Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Sabota's media manager. On this episode, Dr. Sabota goes deep on the planet Saturn and how to relate to this energy. If you would like to study with Dr. Swoboda, his Satsanga subscription is open now to new members until May 31st. This opportunity only comes once a year, and if you join, you get immediate access to over 120 hours worth of recorded content on topics like Kundalini, the ancestors, Prana and Hanuman, on karma, on the guru, and so many other topics so you can go in-depth into the Vedic sciences. If you join now, you will also get to come to live classes and Q&As every month on topics like karma, fate, and free will, 
the Ayurvedic stages of life, yoga and the Vedic sciences, the Devi focused on Saraswati, Lakshmi, Kali, and Durga, and so many other topics. All you have to do is go to drsvoboda.teachable.com. That's drsvoboda.teachable.com and select the Satsanga subscription and join before May 31st. That link will also be in the show notes. We hope you enjoy this episode. All the nine grahas of Jyotisha, nine planets, if you will, are agents of our karma. Their job is to put us in the right place at the right time so that we can experience the results of our karmas. We can experience what many people call fate. Fate is the karmic result of all the things that we have done in this lifetime and in previous lifetimes. What we've done in the past takes occurs for us today in the present as fate. And what, how we act or react according to what's going on in the present will determine what will be our experience of reality, our fate in the future. So all nine of the grahas are agents of our karmas. But Saturn is the planetary task master of the horoscope. He symbolizes life's challenges, and he keeps pounding away at us until we finally get things right. Saturn tends to indicate the things in your life that you would very much like to avoid, but that you cannot prevent, including disease and old age and death, both as applied to you and applied to your loved ones. Saturn often represents the worst experiences that your karmas have in store for you. But Saturn also signals where we can potentially agree, achieve our greatest success. Where we can really achieve something meaningful in life because we work hard for it. And it is all the more satisfying as a result. It was early on in my association with Sri Vimalananda that he introduced me to the planet Saturn, which in Sanskrit is usually called Shani. Vimalananda explained that how we relate to our surroundings is determined by our innate nature. In Sanskrit, we call that the Swabhava. Swa means self, and bhava means mental and emotional state in this context. Our nature, our swabhava, is inborn in each one of us. What Saturn does is to seek out the weaknesses in our personalities and expose all of those weaknesses to full view. Saturn makes you experience your limitations by making your ego, your ahankara, self-identify with your limitations. You don't have to, of course. You could choose not to be limited by your limitations, but Saturn will encourage you 
to do that because Saturn is of the nature of limitation. If you can completely conquer your innate nature, your swabhava, if you can conquer what comes naturally to you, Saturn will not have any effect on you. But it is not so easy to conquer your nature, especially in the world in which we all live, in Mrityu Loka, the world where people are born, live, and die. Even the great rishis, even the greatest saints, have had some kind of limitation, some sort of blind spot. And it was that limitation that Saturn worked on in them. So the very fact of having a physical body provides you a blind spot, provides you a limitation. And that's what Saturn will work on. Saturn's name in Sanskrit, Shani, means slow. Some of his other names, Mundi, for example. Mundi also means slow. And this is because Saturn is the slowest of all the planets. And slow in this context means inexorable. You can't avoid it. You can't evade it. It's moving in your direction slowly. You would like to run away, but you realize that you can't get away. In a situation like that, what Saturn demands for us, from us is discipline, responsibility, hard work, and consistency. Saturn wants us to address every new challenge as it arises, accepting the reality of whatever condition we may be in, our fate, with humility, learning from every new experience. So when we are being influenced by Saturn, and of course, people are influenced by Saturn directly at certain times in their lives, particularly when there is a dasha, a major period, or a bhukti, a minor period of Saturn happening, and when there is the sadesati, the seven and a half, which I'll come to in a few minutes. So when Saturn is activated for us, we need to do whatever we can to understand what we can about Saturn, to understand what his nature is, how, how he is going to affect us, and how we can work with that influence. It is extremely important always to be respectful towards Saturn, to be respectful towards fate to be respectful towards whatever situation we find ourselves in because we've created the situation for ourselves ourselves because of the karmas that we've performed that have put us into that condition. We need to try to build a good relationship with Saturn. And a good relationship with Saturn means accepting the lessons that he wants to teach us and working with those lessons to try to make our lives fit on, onto the path that he wants us to follow. 
And once we have aligned ourselves that way, then we think about ways to remedy his glance because that's the influence, the influence of, they say in Jyotisha, that where Saturn sits, he will have a generally okay effect. But it's where he looks, and he always looks in the third bhava, the third house, the seventh house, and the tenth bhava or house from wherever he's sitting. So that is the deleterious influence of Saturn, and that's what we have to somehow try to remedy. So Saturn is sometimes in Sanskrit called Anubhava, and Anubhava literally means experience. So experience is what Saturn is going to cause us to occur. And to cause to occur in our realities. And whether whether the experience that we have of whatever our experiences are, whether that experience is positive or negative, is going to be determined significantly by the attitude that we have towards those limitations that he imposes. So, for example, if you understand that the best way to work with Saturn is to apply discipline to yourself, to be responsible, practical, to see things in a, it, from the perspective not of theory or idealism, but realism, to be constant and consistent, to be willing to work hard, to be willing to do penance. This is what Saturn wants to do. Saturn wants you to limit yourself. If you don't limit yourself, then what's going to happen is Saturn will say, well, he's not limiting himself. I will have to limit him for himself so that he will experience this limitation, which is what his karmas are going to make him have to experience. So if you do not do these positive changes, if you do not alter your way of interacting with your life in a positive way, then what's more likely to happen is that you will feel pessimistic and doubtful and suspicious, maybe melancholy, resigned, disappointed, You may have trouble trusting. You may feel stingy. You may feel isolated, depressed, lonely, inhibited, humiliated, shamed, unstable, anxious, diffident, timid, all kinds of potential problems because your attitude has not been transformed by you so that you can interact positively with what Saturn is requesting you to do. Saturn is regarded as being slow because he is the furthest away from Earth of all the visible planets. As a result of that, his apparent motion in the sky is the slowest of all the other planets. And because he is the furthest distant and the slowest, 
he tends to cause distance in your life. He tends to put you, make you feel like you've gone to the end of the world, that you're lost to society, that you were withdrawn physically or mentally or emotionally or spiritually even from the center of reality, from the core, the heart of society, from the thick of things. And so for humans who are a very, very hyper-social species, distance from everyone is itself a terrifying thing. Because for millions of years, our reality has been a reality of everyone in a group, a family, a clan, a tribe, everyone participating together, all being part of a group consciousness. And Saturn takes you away from that, separates you from that, makes you feel isolated and lonely. So, and this can happen in many different ways. For example, in the case of Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon became president of the United States as a result of the influence of Saturn. But he also resigned as president as the result of the influence of Saturn. So this is also a technique of Saturn. He will give you what you ask for, but he will snatch it away again, or he will cause something to occur that will make it make the value and the attractiveness and the satisfaction that you get from what he gave you become suddenly much less attractive and satisfying and tasty, as he did with Richard Nixon. So it is, of course, and it is because Saturn is the lord of time that he does this because he has to continuously remind us that we are temporary here on the planet. We're going to become ancestors before very long. No matter what our longevity may be, death is inevitable for everything that is born. So this is something that we all need to remember. And Saturn reminds this of us in such a dramatic kind of way because he wants it to us to always remember every day that we are not going to be permanent. And he has this effect on everyone, including even his father. His father was the sun, the bright sun. And Saturn is, in many ways, the opposite of the bright sun. He is far away. He is very dim. You can only see him at night. You can only see the sun during the day. So this is a very strong father-son disagreement, a very strong battle between father and son, very mythic, very, very archetypal. The sun represents the soul. And of course, the spirit the ultimate purusha, the ultimate reality that really is experiencing everything that is experienced 
It is the true experiencer. Saturn is the experience of separation from the soul. Saturn is the experience of being an individual. In order to be an individual, you have to be separated from everyone else. So simply to be alive is to be under the influence of Saturn because of being separated from the, in, in, very, in, in a very clear and imminent kind of fashion, separated from that communality of consciousness that represents the, the sun and that the sun is representing, represents as the soul. The story of Saturn's birth is an interesting one. And it goes back to the, the time when the sun was named Vivaswan. There are many names for the sun. The sun has had many experiences during his time of existing in the environment of the solar system that have been picked up and turned into myths all around the world. And in India, one of these myths was about Vivaswan, who was the sun god at that time. And his wife was named Sangya. She was the daughter of the celestial architect, sometimes called Tvashtri, and also known as Vishwakarman. Tvashtra was the Vedic name, Vishwakarman is the Puranic name. So Sangya, and Sangya means mutual understanding or agreement. Sangya lived with Vivaswan for many years, and she had three children with him. One was called Vaivaswata, and Vaivaswata became a a Manu, a Manu is like a, uh, a, a progenitor, a, um, uh, a, 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 create, a sub-creator, sort of a demiurge uh, at the time of, uh, of, the, of the creation event known as a Manvantara. So that was Vaivasvata, first son. And then they had a pair of twins. Yama and Yami. Yami is the river Yamuna. And Yama is the deity who physically removes your prana from your body. So already there was a little bit of an influence of death in there. And the fact is that in spite of the fact that there was a mutual understanding and agreement on the part of Sangya with her husband Vishwakarma, uh, uh, Vaivasvata, Vaivasvan, she found her husband awfully bright and awfully hot. And after being with him for many years, it was like, whoa, he's so bright and he's so hot. So what she did was she took her shadow and brought it to life. And this is something that is a well-known pattern of behavior in India in the the past. There is, in fact, a a siddhi called the Chaya Purusha Siddhi for 
by which anyone can theoretically bring their own shadow to life. So she brought her shadow to life and the shadow became a stand-in for her and she went down to earth to perform penance so that she would be able to withstand her son's her husband's brilliance and heat. Now, you would have thought, of course, that the son would notice that his wife was no longer there, but only her shadow. But he was so bright that he everything looked like a shadow to him. So he thought, well, she looks like she always did because he was not able, everything looked like a shadow to him. So meanwhile, Sonia has gone down to earth and the shadow in Sanskrit, that's chaya. So chaya gives the Vivaswan three more children. First is Savarni, who also becomes a Manu, a progenitor. And then Shani, and then Tapati, who is also a river uh, further south than the Yamuna. So everything was going along fine with the children Savarni and and Tapati, but when Saturn was born, and it's the gaze, the drishti of Saturn that's important. When Saturn was born, his gaze fell onto his father. And that caused his father to come down with vitiligo. Vitiligo is a condition sometimes in India called leukoderma, where patches of your skin become depigmentized, you lose the pigment in those pieces of skin. So this is uh, something, of course, that happens to the sun because of sunspots, etc. So this is the reason for the sunspots mythologically that that Saturn has, has, otherwise the sun was perfectly brilliant, but now there's sunspots happening. And then Saturn's gaze fell on the sun's charioteer because the sun moves across the sky in a chariot pulled by seven horses, those seven horses being the seven colors of the rainbow. And the charioteer fell down and broke his thigh. And the thigh is a bone that is ruled by Saturn. It's a part of the body that's ruled by Saturn. And that gaze fell upon the seven horses of the sun, and they all went blind. And so the sun tried to eliminate all of these problems, but he could do nothing until Saturn's gaze left him. So that was kind of serious. And you would have thought he would have been a little suspicious about that, but he was a busy guy having to go through the sky all day long in the big chariot. And so he didn't pay attention until something happened that he couldn't ignore anymore. And what happened was that Chaya, that's the his wife's shadow come to life, loved her children more than she loved the children of Sonia. Even though she was the shadow, she now has her own ego. She has her own identity. She has now isolated herself from her own mother, 
And Yama was upset because Yama was Sangnya's son, but Chaya loved the her kids more. And one day he was fed up and he raised his leg as if she was going to kick her. But he did not kick her, but Chaya lost her temper anyway and cursed him that his legs would fall off from his body. This is a serious curse. And of course, having heard this curse, Yama runs to his father and says, oh my God, mommy has cursed me. Save me, save me. What do I do now? And so the son, first of all, was amazed that this could be happening. So first he modified the curse by saying that worms would eat some of the flesh from Yama's feet and they would fall on the earth and that would fulfill the curse. And then he thought, what kind of mother curses her own child? So he summoned Chaya and said, what's the story? And she wouldn't, tell him the truth, and he became very upset and decided to curse her himself. Um, But that frightened her, and she told him everything. And he said, oh, my God, I'm married to a shadow. I am divorcing you right now. And then he went to his father-in-law, who removed some of his intensity, and then he was reunited with his uh, wife, Sonia, and things moved ahead from there. But meanwhile, Saturn had been introduced into the world. And of course, Saturn is a creation in the sun, of the sun in a way, because we can only see Saturn because it's reflecting the light from the sun. And because without the sun, Saturn, nor Earth, nor Jupiter, nor nobody else would be in the solar system interacting with one another. So... Saturn influences your life in many ways. Probably the most, or one of the most important ways is the Sadisati. Sadisati is the period of approximately seven and a half years during which Saturn moves through the three constellations of the Zodiac that are the constellations where your moon sits and the constellation just before and the constellation just after it. Now, It turns out that Saturn has just moved into Aquarius. It's going to be there for two and a half months, and then it will retrograde back into uh, Capricorn before it then moves into Aquarius finally for uh, around the beginning of next year. And Saturn generally spends approximately two and a half years in each constellation. So, Someone whose moon is in Pisces, as soon as Saturn moves into Aquarius, their seven and a half begins. And it will go from the time that that person's, uh, that the Saturn is in Aquarius and in Pisces and in Aries. So during those seven and a half years, approximately, the Saturn's influence on the moon will be very strong. And because Saturn is very constrictive and very limiting and so on, 
that's what Saturn is going to do to your moon. The moon is the planet of juiciness. The moon is the planet of cool, nourishing light. The moon is the planet of emo positive emotions. Well, emotions, we hope they're positive. Saturn is totally the opposite. It's a very astringent planet. It dries everything up. It makes everything less desirable. It makes everything less satisfying. And so often what happens during this seven and a half period is that things become even more dried out and astringent and unsatisfying in our lives. Often the seven and a half will separate us from our loved ones. Very commonly in the first seven and a half of your life, you will lose your grandparents. In the second seven and a half of your life, you will often lose your parents. And in the third, if you live that long, that may be the end of you. Vimalananda introduced me to the Shani Mahatmya early in 1980 which was just before the Saturn started to um, afflict my own natal moon. And Vimalananda emphasized that it was very important during the seven and a half to do what might be possible to minimize the influence of Saturn as far as could be done. One way is to read the greatness of Saturn on a regular basis, to make offerings of black sesame seeds, of sesame oil, and to worship Anjanea. But most important of all is to take on for yourself the attitude that is required by Shani. So I'm going to end this podcast by quoting from Mr. Mantri, my Jyotish guru, who said that a Shani is the most important planet in all of Jyotisha. He is the graha to pay attention to. So Mantri ji said this, Shani Maharaj, you see, is a very important guy. Shani takes a seriousness to responsibility and upholds the law of justice. Responsibility can't be described. You have to live it to understand it. But how many people can do this? What are the commitments that we avoid, the things we don't want to respond to? That's what needs to be experienced before we can truly understand how to be responsible. If you want to plan on staying the same and not changing your, think your thinking and your behaviors, then you should be afraid of God and his agents. But you should be devoted to God and his agents if you move into making inner changes and make efforts to repent. You can gain the blessings of Shani Maharaj by repenting and forgiving. Forgive everyone. Make amends with all the people that you have hurt, including especially yourself. Ask for forgiveness like Jesus the Christ. Walk on this earth with that kind of heart, forgiving here and forgiving there. Forgiveness means you have to give up something. And what you have to give up is your ego. 
let it go. Your ego is your enemy when it cannot forgive, and it is your best friend and helper when you live your life in repentance and forgiveness. It is the best spiritual practice you can do. Repent and forgive. This is the teaching of Shani Maharaj. Forgive and let go. On that note, with that concept of let it go, bow down to Shani Maharaj. May Shani have mercy on us all. <laughs> 